Attack life, not others, with Tim Hoover and Steve Mittman. Last week on the show, we teased that we would have a special guest this week, and here he is. It is Master Hawk, Tim Hawk. Hello, Tim. Yes, hello there. Hi, Tim. How are you? And Tim. Yeah. <laughs> How would you like to be called, Master Hawk or Tim or whatever you guys want to call me? Tim is fine. <laughs> I re- I remember that the day I met you. I said, "How would you like to be called?" And you said, "Same exact thing." Uh, there was never. Yeah. <laughs> you were always you were always extremely humble, non-judgmental, accepting, forgiving. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. And you know, when you're a young kid going through what I was going through at the time. And you allowed me to to come into your dojo and teach me um, your system and your ways in such an accepting way. Um, it was such a, I'm just so grateful of it. And we're talking about the ripple effect. We're talking about how things and people create a ripple, either negatively or positively, and they have a positive impact or a negative impact on your life, which you have had such a positive impact on mine. And you allowed me to keep my journey and 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 move forward, but. Before we get into um, what we want to talk about today, uh, which is the subject matter is going to be karma, I just want to tell people a little bit about Tim Hawk. Tim, when did you start training? Wow. I was, well, when I started, it was with a, um, a childhood friend of mine when we were kids, and there were no karate schools around, nor judo, nor any martial arts uh, that I could find. Uh, we looked hard. So we bought a couple of these old books. Maybe people recall they were called Bruce Tegner books, and they were how to defend yourself. And so I probably was about 11, 12 years old, something like that, maybe even earlier. And, um, well, then later on, after we tried practicing and doing what we could do on our own like that, uh, I found out about a judo school opening, and I would have been early 60s, maybe like 1962 or something like that. And my friend and I went and joined that school and enjoyed it and were working on a lot of the judo techniques. And then after a, about a year or two, uh, a fellow came back from Okinawa named Robert Peters and came to that judo school thinking that perhaps some of those students would be interested in a karate class which um, he had studied the Shorin-ru Okinawan karate system when he was in the Air Force on Okinawa at the Kadena Air Force Base at that time. And I thought, well, this is great. This is something I really wanted to get involved in in the beginning, but couldn't find it. So for a while, I used to save my lunch money to to make the payment, and I was doing both the judo and the karate and um, study with this Bob Peters and... Um, really, really enjoyed it. And after a while, I really couldn't afford to do both, but I shifted over to the karate system because I really, really loved it. And I mean, I loved all the martial arts, but that really attracted me. So I stayed with that uh, all the way up to my black belt, you know, with him. And I was his first black belt student. So he was, he was tough on me. (laughs) It wasn't an easy thing, but Anyway, along the way, then I uh, found different systems, different arts and styles, including Tai Chi, Kung Fu, you know, Jiu-Jitsu, all the different arts that I, I could come up with and became friends with a number of those teachers and still stayed with my uh, instructor and worked with him, but brought back many, many techniques and uh, other systems to combine it into the uh, the system that I that I have and 
taught to you and um and I stayed with it all my life because it was such a positive developing experience and of course along the way I got very interested in the philosophy studying zen and some of the different buddhism uh principles that our martial arts came out of with bodha dharma coming from india and going over the himalayas into china and how the system developed so it brought with it many of the philosophies and concepts and so on which um include karma yeah this is kind of how i developed with it and i found out that the uh, philosophy really works it's really true it applies and um it can change our life. So that's why I always, through the whole time period, as you know, I emphasized a lot of the philosophy along with the physical martial arts movements, you know. Was it the martial arts that led you to philosophy, or would you have always been interested in philosophy? Well, I, I, I guess I was born with it. My mom used to say, when I was a kid, I would ask her about, you know, is there a god? Can he see me if I'm hiding under my bed? And, you know, I, I always had an interest in what what there could be that's larger than us and bigger than us. And, uh, of course, she was religious as a Christian and taught me her concepts. And I thought, you know, they were very positive, very good. So I guess I always had that inclination. But when I got to the martial arts... I wanted to find out where they came from, you know, how did these start and what was the philosophy behind them. And so that's when I started to really look into like the Eastern thought, like Zen and, you know, they had the whole principles. And then I traced that back and saw, well, this came out of uh, yoga, out of the uh, Indian tradition and Bada Dharma, who's, you know, given credit as being the father of the kind of the martial arts, you know, came from India and studied all this as a monk and came over to China, taught, you know, taught them, and it spread throughout the whole East, through Asia. So so I guess they're kind of interconnected. I, I think I always had an inclination, but, um, you know, the martial arts certainly spurred me to look into it much deeper. Yeah, I think one of the things that is interesting to all of us, and, you know, when you go back, when I go back in time, I can say, well, I went back to the early 70s and started training. And now, you yep. know, you, you go back to the early 60s, and I know 60s. that, yeah, the martial arts really, karate really didn't come into this country until, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, maybe the 50s, mid-50s, something like that? Yeah, I think some of the Japanese system started coming back as karate, and kung fu really wasn't... Uh, I mean, they kept that to the Chinese community pretty much. That wasn't really very open to the public. Like I say, we looked. We looked hard for any school, any possible uh, place to train, you know, officially at that early age when we were 11, 12, whatever that was. And uh, there were none around. The first one was this... Uh, this judo school that opened up and we jumped on it right away. <laughs> I think one of the things that Tim Hawk and I had in common were we were both seeking not just the physical aspect and say, hey, I'm going to be the strongest guy, the quickest. We were looking for the mindset and also the reason why we're here. You know, what's all this thing we call life and, and our journey together really would develop through privates, one on ones. And we'd start talking about in-depth conversations and questions we had about my position and his position. It was always very sharing. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. And we'd trade and learn from each other. And I obviously learned more 
from him, but we, it was much more than just uh, developing the physical aspects. Um, Tim traveled the world, maybe not physically, but Tim traveled the world in books and in constant seeking, never being happy to say, okay, this is what it is I'm going to do. He just kept seeking. And that's how his style uh, flourished because it was not just one system, it was several. And as we got together, we realized, even though I was younger than him and didn't have the experience, I was also seeking and I was also putting a system together. So he allowed me to take some of the, the things in his system to, to connect it to mine and allowed mine to flourish and develop more mentally, physically, and spiritually. It's so good to have you back in my life and to have you on the show. And I mentioned to Steve earlier that you're very cerebral. You're very deep in your thought. And what a great thing for the podcast to have some of your knowledge spread and not be limited. And it was just great to train with you. Taught me a lot. Enjoyed it. I'm glad I could do that. And uh, you were a great student. I mean, <laughs> you've promoted the arts and influenced and taught many people. So I'm glad it could trickle down like that and to have been able to do that. And it's hard to believe it's more than 35 years ago that we. Yeah, that we, we started training ago, which brings us to the subject matter of what we've been doing lately. Steve and I have been doing these topics of karma ripple effect as i would call it of one action creates a reaction and you and i talked about it the other day and i said it's a great opportunity to introduce you uh and to take this particular subject and and enhance our knowledge and you said right away that's called karma yes um, it is tell us a little bit about that tim and, and your oh, point of view your perspective sure okay i'll put on my <laughs> my philosophy and psychology hats here a little bit so um Yes, uh, karma, well, the word is an ancient Sanskrit word, and it comes out of, of course, the East, the roots of Buddhism. It's in, I mean, it's in Taoism, it's in Buddhism, it's in Hinduism. It's uh, in, actually, well, of course, nowadays, since Christianity developed, it's in Christianity. I mean, what Jesus said, do unto others as you would have done unto you, the golden rule, they call the golden rule, is karma. I mean, it is. It's what action you put out is going to come back. It's, uh, you know, even though we're using a an Eastern term here, I mean, modern physics talks about cause and effect. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I mean, this is a proven law, just like gravity. You know, we know that... Uh, <laughs> That gravity works throughout the universe. It's a universal law. It's not something that's just for one culture or one people. It's so important to learn it. It affects our life. I mean, the the root word is kind of action to do with action, and we're always we're always doing an action in some subtle level or gross physical level or form, and it is uh, having an effect. Every cause is an effect. Every effect is a cause, and so on. This this goes on and on like an endless chain. I mean, everything you do, you look at it, if you can look subtle enough and see, there's an effect to it. There has to be an effect to it. And that effect is a cause of something else. I mean, the old concept is you, you have a pond and you drop a big rock in the pond, what happens? Uh, the ripples go out. They go all the way out to the end of the pond, and they will come back, and they may become more subtle and uh, less intense as they go farther out from the source, but they are there, and they don't stop. And that's um, that's kind of, you know, that's so important to know that, you know, what we're doing is having an effect. Therefore, I think it's important to try to make the best decision to be as conscious as we can and to make the best decision that we can 
as far as our actions are concerned as to what we're going to put out. Yeah, I think that's a lesson to learn today, especially since what we've been through as as a world and a country and individuals. You know, a lot of what we've done, uh, we've created on our own. We've created our our this situation and a lot of this this world. And maybe it's a, a wake up call for all of us to just realize that we can and will create the cause and effect. That's exactly what you're saying here, right? Exactly. Yes, it is. And it's on different levels. I mean, it's a, a, a country can do it as a collective karma. Individuals do it for their own life. You know, they're affecting their own life. I mean, what what we do makes us who we are and um, kind of in terms of either thought, word or deed or, you know, we've, we need to be aware of uh, of what our actions are and do the best we can, I believe, you know, to uh, to promote something positive and have a positive effect on the world, you know, rather than a negative one. So what you're saying in essence is we all have a responsibility, whether we realize it or not, what we do affects others in ways we might not ever even know or realize. Exactly. And Tim and I were talking about this off the air the other day, but I'd love to get your take on it while we have you talking about karma. And as you said, it's essentially the golden rule, but different religions approach it different ways. And uh, some people believe in karma because they do things out of fear that they'll be punished if they don't do a certain thing or don't act a certain way. But what I love about you and your philosophy and your outlook on life, and this is just one of those glass half empty, half full things, it's essentially the same thing, but it's a different viewpoint, is you're not saying do it out of fear or being punished. You're saying because it's the right thing to do. And, it is. and that's it. It's the right thing to do. And we've talked about this before. We have a gentleman by the name of Bernie. Uh, he's been on the show many times. And he says, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care what religion you're talking about. It comes down to one thing. Just be a good soul for the sake of being a good soul. Yeah. I I always think about this, Tim. And, and um, you know, you, you, you mentioned a Christian point of view. And I always think about the, the choice of, it's funny to say it, but it's so true, but the story of Adam and Eve, the story yeah. of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. We weren't supposed to choose the tree of knowledge, but we did. The thing that comes along with the tree of knowledge is responsibility of choice. So now yeah. we pick this tree of knowledge and we have the knowledge of good and bad. We have the knowledge and we have the responsibility to choose and make our choices correctly. Yeah. And that's where we are after all these years. And look at the shape this world is in. Um, you know, who we choose to be around, how we choose to listen to others and the good things and to be a good soul, like Steve said, is the karma that you're talking about. Yes, I agree. And uh, as Steve mentioned before, too, it's a it's an ethics that's based on science, not on fear. In other words, you're not just because some authority figure is telling you don't do that because it's bad, you know. You're learning a law, like the law of karma is there is a reaction, and it's not necessarily a punishment, but it's a reaction. And if you're doing something negative, you're going to have a negative reaction. You do something positive, you're going to have a positive reaction. I mean, what what better basis for ethics would there be than a scientific law that is proven and known, and there's a reason for your behavior? There's a reason for people to focus on the positive and do something. It's not just because 
some religious leaders said, "Hey, do it. You know, otherwise it's bad. You're gonna, you, you know, this is based on Tim, like you said, knowledge and understanding and and wisdom, and that is our responsibility. I think to follow that. I think so too, and I think." You know, as life affects us, you know, as kids, we're so much more connected to, you know, the sense of birth. We're not that we're not that old yet. We're only a couple of years old. We learn to, you know, crawl, walk, move. We, innately, we can do things. And as we get older, we get crotchety. <laughs> we get life. <laughs> life makes us get stiff and, and we don't want to listen. We don't want to hear. And all the distractions are just taking away from the moment of life. You know, I'm thinking about constantly how. There are so many distractions now more than ever that take us away from the pure moment to live. And as time goes by, you start to reflect and you think, where did it go? Well, guess what? You weren't really here for it. You were thinking about this and you were thinking about that and all the distractions. You really were only in that moment 25%. But if you can't be in that moment totally, you can't enjoy that moment 100%. And I think that's what we're up against more than anything else today is to... Give it some time, some thought. Think about where you are, where we are, and try to get rid of all the unnecessary distractions so we can be more purely in the thought of the moment and more alive in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. We mentioned um, almost every every major religion has picked up on this, this principle, the, the people who actually were deeply uh, searching and reflecting like we said, as well as the Eastern religions, it's uh, it's in Christianity. I mean, not only that golden rule we talked about, but Jesus said, knock and it shall be open, seek and ye shall find, you know, give and ye shall receive. I mean, this is this is karma in a nutshell. It's your action is going to cause or produce a result. And he's he's telling us that maybe in a different word and term, but the same principle. Really, really interesting stuff. I'm just so happy to have you on the show, Master Hawk. It's such a pleasure. I'm looking forward to more episodes with you. I can speak on behalf of listeners. I know they will as well. This is really neat for me. I remember growing up as a a kid. I mean, I was a young teenager, and I would see my teacher, who I had the utmost respect for. And it was just a neat observation on my part, even back then, to see my teacher's teacher. It's, you know, well, talk about the ripple effect. I saw it in action back then. It was so neat to see my teacher giving the respect and and all that to uh, uh, somebody you know above him if you will so to speak in the style and all and it's just such a pleasure to have you on the show now because back then and now uh, again once again later on in life who would have predicted this and in my life that uh you'd be back and in a a (laughs) profound way because you were always a a source of inspiration so it's neat for i'm being selfish here how old were you i remember you were pretty Uh, young 12 13 14 and you know Later on in my teenage years, I remember when you would be there overseeing the testing and, and all and then filling in for classes. But like I'm being selfish here. And that's another episode I want to talk about with you. The difference <laughs> between selfishness and selflessness, for sure. The intricacies uh-huh. and how they're interrelated. But that's that's for another episode. If you can't tell, I'm so pumped up just to have you on the show. There's so much I want to share, but it's uh, one thing at a time. But what I'm saying is I'm being selfish because I get, uh, you know, it's like a well of wisdom when when you're around. And uh, it's nice to have you on the you show. Share what I've learned. Reason. I mean, I say our life experiences make us who we are, and if we don't share them, we're, we're uh, you know, we're depriving people of something that hopefully we've gained that's valuable. You know. Well, I said in a previous show, as my father-in-law said, and I had a plaque made. You know, what you do for yourself, you take with you. What you do for others, you leave behind. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And all right, yeah, well, we'll be great. we'll be talking to you again, Tim, and I'll follow up with a phone call later. But we expect to have you and hope to have you on the show again. I will be glad to to do that as we are able. You know. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. Okay, thank you guys. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on our way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. 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 Steve Mittman, socialmedia.com.